Our scripture reading this morning is, as it says, Psalm 1 on page 843 in your pew Bibles. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, or stand in the way of sinners, or sit in the seat of mockers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers, not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Father, we're here to worship you. We're here to connect to you through your son, Jesus, and through the Holy Spirit. And Lord, we're here to open ourselves up to being changed and transformed by you so that we might be more and more like your son. So Lord, may our worship, may may these scripture words, may they all sink deep within us to shape us and form us more and more into who you created us to be. And I pray that the words which will now be spoken, may they be your words and not mine. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So over vacation, I decided, or Joyce and I decided to kind of visit the other Christian Reformed churches in the area. So last week we were at Woodinook, and guess what they were preaching on last week? Psalm 1. And I'm thinking, I already wrote the sermon for Psalm 1. I can do it for you. But then I realized, wow, as preachers, we are really different in how we approach Scripture and how we approach these things. Because Woodinook is a different church than we are, and I'm a very different pastor than Dana is. But I focused more on the trees, whereas Dana focused on different things from Walter Brueggemann. Walter Brueggemann is a theologian who kind of looks at the Psalms and kind of looks at these different ways that Psalms impact us. But I look at it as as poetry. And I look at it as very much a, a heart thing. I grew up in northern Ontario in Thunder Bay. And these are a lot of the kinds of trees that you're going to see in Thunder Bay as you kind of drive past all those small little lakes and that. This is Canadian shield country. This is country where there's a thin layer of topsoil, not like here where, where the soil goes way, way down. It's not always very fertile soil either. And if you're going to grow something there, and if trees are going to grow, they got to find Spaces where you would never think they would find. So any little crevice in the rock where there's a little bit of dirt, it's amazing how a tree will, will cling there for life. But the thing about all these trees is that they may be fir trees, they may be pine trees, they may be all these different kinds of trees that normally here you'd see grow really tall, but there, if they grow five or six foot, 
they're really doing well. And they're not very full. They're not very, uh, yeah, they're not very luxurious. They're just kind of there surviving. And, and surviving's okay, but, but really you want more than just to survive. I grew up by a stream that ran through our, 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 the back of our property. And the difference between these trees and those trees that grew up beside the stream where they always had water, no matter how dry or, or how miserable it was out, was so, so different. These were trees where we could build tree forts in, where we could climb and we could have tire swings and, and trees like, uh, like out on the street here. Beautiful, gorgeous trees, a great place to grow up. Well, and that's why... That's why the Psalms, you'll see the reference to creation. And Psalm 1 starts with the picture of a tree. A tree by streams of water. To show what healthy is. To show what, what flourishing, what, what a luxurious life is. Luxurious, not in terms of money, but in terms of, of relationships. Because the Psalms are wisdom literature. The Psalms are poetry. The Psalms are meant to touch our hearts. They're meant to change us. But the Psalms always come back to, to the reality that there's two different ways of living. You can, you can live this way where, where you kind of focus on yourself and, and you focus on your own heart stuff and, and you focus on your own desires or, or you can focus on, on God and and. And you know what? God will often use our desires to actually draw us to him. But often our desires will lead us away from him instead. And we know that already from Genesis in the beginning with Adam and Eve where the desires of their heart kind of led them away from God rather than to God as they picked from a tree that was sitting there. So the Psalms... They want us to, to, to live wise, blessed lives, happy lives. Happiness in, in terms of a, a deep joy and contentment. And wisdom for the Psalms means living well with God, living well with each other, living well with ourselves, and then living well with creation as well. These are those four key relationships that the Psalms focus on. And Psalm 1 sets, sets the tone. And it sets the tone by saying, okay, this is how you're not happy. Blessed is the one who does not walk in the way with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. Now this is King David talking. King David's a pretty smart guy. He kind of lived life, and he lived it well, and he lived it not so well. So he's talking out of experience. He says, you know what? You can walk, and the people you walk with are, are really important in your life, and, and when you walk, you kind of talk, and, and I know when I'm walking, and I'm walking with somebody, I'll talk, but I'm also paying attention to this and to that, and you can ask my wife when we're, when we're walking, I'm not really listening that closely to her. I know I should, 
but but I don't because there's birds and there's rabbits and there's dogs and there's people. And I get distracted real easily. Well, that's what happens when you walk with, with, with people. And, and the psalmist describes it as people who are kind of walking their own path. They're not following God. They're not really paying attention to God. They're just kind of walking and doing their own thing. But when you're walking, how often have you had it that when you're walking, all of a sudden the person says something and all of a sudden you go, hey, wait. Yeah, that's interesting. And, and their first reaction is to kind of stop. And, and you stand there because you want to pay more attention. You want to, you want to hear more and, and your focus kind of narrows. And that's what happens is, is you get kind of sucked in deeper into the way that they're walking. And this is often the time where, where, we, start, where we start doubting Jesus. We start, we start doubting you know, kind of what God, if God is for us. Because honestly, how often, especially when you're younger, and, 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 and I've talked to many who are older and my age and, and even older, who, who sometimes feel that, that God really doesn't want us to be happy. He doesn't want us to, to, to really kind of experience the joy in life. And, that, and he puts all these rules, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, because he wants us to be kind of sober people. He doesn't want us to be too excited. He doesn't want our hearts to get too engaged in stuff, because who knows, if we get too engaged in life, we might really enjoy life. And, and if we enjoy life, you know, then we're going to take our focus off of God. So, so God wants wants us just to be kind of straight-laced and, and normal. So, so we sometimes doubt that Jesus is really wanting us to have a, a happy life, a, a blessed life. Instead, he wants us to be uh, straight and narrow. You know, um, it, the fun is, is for other people. You got to look past the fun. You got to look to eternity. And, and we kind of start getting sucked into to what the people are talking about. And then if you get really interested, you make an appointment. You say, hey, let's have coffee at Cavaccino's or, or Toller's or whatever. And, and let's get deeper into this. And, and, and you sit down over a cup of coffee or a cappuccino or whatever. And, and, and you say, hey, so, you know, when we were walking, when we stopped there, we were talking about this. You know, I like to kind of really kind of get deeper into it. And one thing I have learned in life is that a lot of people, a lot of people have a, a negative way of, of approaching talking about others. So, in my family, we've kind of raised sarcasm to, a, to an art form. And, 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 and I wish it wasn't so, and, because I know that words hurt. And, and often when you're using car sarcasm or, or you're always focusing on the negative from, from what other people do, you're, you're always kind of kind of poking and, uh, and saying, you know what, you're not quite, you don't quite measure up. You're kind of knocking them down. You're making them small. And, and, and then if they kind of challenge you on it, you say, ah, oh, you're just hypersensitive. Ah, oh, you know what? It's, it's not really what I mean. You know, it's all you. It's not really what I'm saying. And, and then that just makes you feel even smaller. Now, that whole idea of mocking is really hurtful and really hard. And Christianity today is in a state where where it's easy to mock. 
because it's not the main culture. It's not the main focus. It's not the, it's not the foundation of our society. So, so people look at Christians, they look at people who follow Jesus, and they say, oh, yeah, you got to believe in a God because you can't handle life on your own. You know, you need something bigger than self because, you know, you're wimps, you know. And, 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 and you know what? you got to depend on this book that's written in a different culture, a different time, and then you say that has to actually happen now. Like, come on, really? We're a lot smarter now. We're a lot more intelligent. And, and what happens is we can get sucked into that. And we start doubting what we've been raised to believe. We start doubting what, what, what we start doubting God. We start doubting Jesus. And, and what that does is it doesn't make us any happier. It doesn't make us feel full and strong. Do you know that there's atheist churches out there? There's atheist churches where they say, we are not going to talk about God. We are not going to talk about anything spiritual in that. But you know what? We're missing something. We're missing fellowship we're missing a foundation in life so you get all these really good talkers and speakers and everything else but they can't talk about god or spiritual stuff or anything else and and, and this was really big about 10 12 years ago and, and there were hundreds of these churches planted and now so few of them are still around because inspirational talks you know good good ways of thinking and 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 that Unless it's based on something, on something bigger than ourselves, really what ends up is saying, well, that's good for you, but how about me? That's not good for me. And there's no happiness, there's no joy, there's no blessedness in that kind of living, that kind of thinking, that, and being in that kind of company. So, so the psalmist says, be careful, because you can get sucked into that really, really quickly. And I know I did. I did for a while. Part of joining the Naval Reserve, part of leaving home at 17 was because, you know what? I didn't think God really wanted the best for me. He didn't want the best for anybody. He just wanted me to be kind of sober and straight and have no fun in life. And I was seeing all these people having these great times on Friday and Saturday nights. Well, they paid for it Sunday mornings, but and Monday mornings. But still, they seemed to have so much more than I did. I entered into that for a while. And it wasn't good. I found out I wasn't any happier. In fact, I was a lot unhappier because of it. And the blessed that's being talked about here is that it is, it's tied to happiness, a deep happiness, a joy. Tim Keller writes that, you know, all our sin against God is grounded in a refusal to believe that God is more dedicated to our good and more aware of what that is than we are. We believe that God has put us in a world of delights, but is determined he will not give them to us if we obey him. This is the lie of the serpent, the original temptation of Satan to Adam and Eve. And as we drift away from Jesus, we find that our, our, our insides become like chafe, chaff. Chaff, chafe, chaff. Chafing is when skin rubs against each other. You guys are farmers, you know it's chaff. But what is chaff? Chaff is that dry, dusty stuff that has no value. It has no nutrients. They would beat it by hand 
in the Middle East still do in some places. And they do it on a, on a breezy day so that the chaff just blows away and the good stuff stays. And how often don't you meet people who are just dry like that inside? Who are looking for something, something of substance? Something that they know they can't find in themselves. They have to find outside themselves. The politics, culture, pleasure, work, all these things, even relationships. They're not really dealing with that dryness inside. They just kind of mask it for a time. So the psalmist goes on and shares with us what a person who experiences happiness in life is like. It's someone whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. You think law is something to delight in? I know when I'm driving down the highway and I see those speed limits, I'm not delighting in those. Or you get all these laws that I have to give so much money to the government for IRS. That's not the kind of law that's being talked about here. We actually should translate it Torah. Torah, which is, which for the Jews was those first five books of the Bible that are so foundational to life. Those five books that tell the story of God and his relationship with us and his relationship with creation. How everything was created good and very good. How we were created to have this, this relationship with God where in the, in the cool of the evening he walked. He walked with Adam and Eve and he wants to walk with us. That's why Jesus came, is so that we can have that kind of relationship again. Because Adam and Eve messed up. They, they wanted to walk their own journey instead. And Isn't it amazing that in the Garden of Eden there's three rivers? I just find this kind of cool. Well, that whole idea of, of water, that the necessity for the trees to, to grow well. And I'm thinking that as David is writing this, he's sitting with sheep in the field by a stream. And he's watching all these trees along the stream. And, and these are not just streams like the Wolf Creek that kind of meanders through our area. But these are, are actually irrigation canals that, that are built off of the streams and off of the river so that they run through the fields so that, so that the crops are, are full and luscious and that even in times of drought that they're still being fed. They're still, the roots can go deep, deep, deep into the ground. And David is saying, you'll find your happiness, you'll find your blessedness in your relationship with God, in getting to know him, getting to know him well, getting to know what the Bible, what God's word says about him, not what the culture is saying about him. By, by digging deep into the words that God gave us himself, Meditating on them. Day and night. 
how many of you have ever have ever meditated experimented with with just a quietness and going deep into scripture the Taze community in France amazing place to learn about meditation we have Roman Catholic priests who are trained to lead us in biblical meditation. And I know we say we left the Roman Catholic Church a long time ago, but don't throw the baby out with the bathwater because the Roman Catholic Church has this deep, deep way of reflecting on Scripture and allowing it to sink deep within our souls and hearts to shape us and deform us. That's what David's getting at. The Jewish have this wonderful way of meditating as well, where they just allow, allow, especially the poetry, but the stories to just kind of sink in and become part of who they are. Because that's how we get, that's how we get shaped by it. We don't get shaped by it by reading one verse a day and, and three sentences that talk about the verse. If you want to be shaped, if you want to find deep happiness and contentment and joy, allowing scripture to sink deep within you, that's where you're going to find contentment and joy and peace. I talk with so many people who, who, who look to authors like the, the Dalai Lama or Jordan Peterson. Those are the two who've really come up lately. And, and people turn to them and, and other writers and, and that as well. And, and they're inspirational and they have lots of wisdom in that as well. But, but there's still something missing. Have you ever tried, who knows Jordan Peterson, by the way? Have you ever tried meditating or letting stuff like him sink in deep? I tell you, if you're listening to him, oh, man, you're so busy thinking that you don't have any time to really let it sink in. That's why we have poetry. That's why we have the Psalms. That's why we have stories. Because they do sink deep into us when we allow, when we meditate on them. In Scripture, we discover that Jesus is that living water. We discover Jesus is that stream. That, that when we connect deep into Him, that we're going to find that peace. We're going to find that holiness. We're going we're to find that, that we're going to grow and we're going to become more and more luxuriant. That, that, that we're actually, we're actually going to start to bear fruit. Now, if you're not bearing fruit in your life, you know, it says bear fruit in season. So, so that means, you know, maybe right now you're in a place where, where, where you're kind of recouping, where, where your leaves have fallen and, and, and you kind of need a chance to kind of step back and kind of go, oh, like a winter. But a winter is only one season because then you got to kind of reconnect in. And you got to be like spring, and you have to let the, the water and the sap and everything else get going again. And then you got to get into the summer where, where you kind of dig really, really deep, and, and everything gets luxurious, and then the fall comes, and, and your, your, your branches become full of fruit, and you begin to bear fruit. You're always leading up to that. But you're going to have times where you're going to be bearing tons of fruit, and other times you're going to go, oh, again, and that's okay. But your goal is always, always to bear fruit once again. So meditating. Meditating on Scripture. 
bearing fruit. What is that fruit? Well, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. If you're trying to do your way to happiness, if you're trying to find it through pleasure or through uh, a, doing a good relationship or through work or through any of these things, you're not going to do happiness. Happiness comes from being. It comes from who you are. I have known very wealthy, successful people who are so unhappy. I've seen people with amazing marriages and still there's, there's a seed, there's a core of unhappiness in their life because they had kind of hoped that that person was going to be everything to them and that just doesn't happen. If you want that deep, deep happiness, I invite you to turn to Jesus. Turn to Jesus who, who, who went to the cross. He loved us so much to, to wash us clean, to, to, to connect us deep within the, with the Holy Spirit. That's what Pentecost is above, so that, so that we can be nourished. We can know God, our Father. And we can, we can find blessedness. We can find contentment. We can find happiness. We can find joy. So how is your fruit doing? Is it full and luscious? Or are you in need of some nourishment? And that's okay. Some living water to refresh you. Jesus is saying, come. Come to me. I can give you what you need, but just come. So I encourage you this morning to connect with that stream of living water, that living water that, that he'll pour into us so that it pours out of us, into the church and into the community around us. And just imagine Macomb, Macomb rising up like trees, the living water, all focused on God, on Jesus, on loving God with everything we are and our neighbors as ourselves. Amen. Father, we want to be like those trees. We want to bear fruit in season. We want to be connected deep into that nourishment, into that life-giving water, into Jesus. But Lord, we are sometimes so easily distracted. We're attracted to those who are walking different paths. And sometimes we stop and listen a little too much. And sometimes we get into it a little too much, into stuff that just draws us away from you. So Lord, we open ourselves up to your spirit who keeps bringing us back to your son. And Lord, as the spirit brings us to your son, Lord, we want to bring others with us. So give us the words and the relationships so that others might know you and might flourish like trees, like streams of water as well. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.